Welcome to episode three of Residency Roundtable, a mini-series on the Resident Review, a Duke Plastic Surgery podcast. Today, I have Victoria Wickenheiser. She is now a PGY3 here at Duke Plastic Surgery. She went to UConn for undergrad, went to Duke for medical school, and then stayed on to be a plastics resident here. And we're so lucky to have her both on this episode as well as in the residency in general. I can't tell you how much Tori has helped me um, just kind of adjust to residency. I remember like a week before starting, we got this long email that somehow was completely relevant. Every single part of it was relevant to, to smoothening the transition of residency. So I think that Tori has a lot of wisdom to offer anyone listening to this episode. And thank you for joining us. What an intro. I'm so excited to get started and um, really excited to record this episode. Definitely. So how's life? What have you been up to these days? <laughs> Life's good, man. PGY3, first month of the year. It's kind of like, it's a really crazy experience. I didn't necessarily feel as excited as, about the transition when I was going from PGY one to PGY two, I think, cause I was just so scared, um, about what was next. And I was like kind of recovering from being an intern, but this year feels like palpably different. I feel like I know more. I'm like looking around and, and I just feel a comfort that I haven't had before. Not that I feel like I know everything, but, um, it does feel like a different transition this year and a really enjoyable and exciting one. Yeah. That's awesome. It's like a, I, I'm almost like imagining kind of like a calm confidence, whereas like before, I don't know if you feel this way, but there's a lot of anxious, <laughs> anxious energy brought into every year. Yeah. I think, um, when I was thinking about this episode and how I felt through a lot of PGY two years, a lot of the word frantic comes up <laughs> for me, not bad, but just, just high energy, high yeah. energy. Yeah. I already feel that. I guess maybe part of that is that I don't know. So the way kind of our residency is structured is that, you know, first you're an intern and you're not part of the call pool. You kind of rotate on plastics, but again, you're kind of under the radar. And then PGY2, you become the consult resident. And not only do you become the consult resident, but then you have the frantic ICU rotations and you have the general surgery trauma consult pager. So that all of a sudden I feel like you're, you're, you're making a lot more decisions than you're used to. And is, is that the frantic part or is it just that it's, I, I don't know that, that it's all just hard. In a I way. think it's both. I think this, the step up from intern year, you know, people start really asking you what you think and you really need to have an answer. You know, you really need to be thinking about like, what's your plan and taking that big step is exciting and feels really good. Like it feels great to not just be the person making the list and reporting things to the senior or answering pages about blood pressure. But at the same time, it is very humbling because you realize how much you don't know yet. And at the same time, you want to do a great job, but you've never done that job before. So you are just kind of like trying to get it right, trying to learn, trying to do a good job. And that can be overwhelming as much as it is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, what scares me the most about taking consults for plastic surgery specifically is that I feel like I, I still don't know, you know, I don't have like an intimate understanding of the, of plastics, right. Of like a face fracture. Like I, I try to read and then I try to increase my vocabulary, but I don't have like that 
intimate understanding that sometimes I feel like I do. I, I can't say that I'm like a medicine resident or like, I don't really understand the complexities of the human body, but I can like understand, you know, pressures because of how we, and, and their effect on blood pressure. You know what I mean? Like, like, I, I feel like that's a lot more palpable than it's like, oh my God, like it's a finger fracture. Like, what do we do? You know? Right. And I think it's just goes to the nature of residency learning versus all the, the different types of learning we've done in previous stages of our education. You know, you used to read the whole two chapters that were assigned for reading before you'd go in for lecture. And so you're used to having this really comprehensive understanding of that one topic that you're going to review or be tested on that day. And that's just not how residency is. You're learning practical knowledge by doing and seeing things in real time. And you don't always have this, the foundation you want. I feel that way. At least I was someone who was like a textbook person. I like to know things. I like to learn them, learn about them calmly and completely before I'm like tested on it or answering questions, but I don't really have that luxury anymore. And quite frankly, like this type of learning is definitely more effective. Like, right. When you see something you've never seen before and you're like trying to figure out what to do, like you remember that. And those experiences add up, but you, it's hard to see that during PGY two year. And I think that's part of the fun part about the transition that I'm in now is I can look back or I get new consults or I think about taking call and it's so much less intimidating because I've just seen so many more things because I'm a whole year in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this touches on just like the process of learning. Cause I think back now to the beginning of intern year and I, I don't know, for instance, like I look at like Brooks on plastics right now. And I look at her and I'm thinking like, what was going through my mind one year ago? And I remember having no idea what was going on. And not that and she looks extremely confident yeah. and confident. Shout out to Brooke because Brooke is killing it. <laughs> well, three weeks in, I was like cross covering like eight services on the weekend with my sub eye being like, please, please don't remember me this way. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But I'm sure she feels the same way that we did, or maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? But in regards to like, I don't know, like almost growing up in a way, like how did it feel to, to, to do your first few consults and, you know, like, I don't know, have someone's like in plastics. I remember you telling me that like every single one of our, our consults in a way is there's a lot of manual labor that you put into every one of our consults. Right. Um, and you're not necessarily getting checked. You know what I mean? Like at this point, people have confidence in you to, to deal with kind of situations, right? How did that feel? Um, it felt really terrifying to start. You know, I, I think everybody's year starts differently. So I was off service for the first couple months of PGY two years. So I'd had some practice um, seeing consults at the very end of my intern year, the last month I held the consult pager when I was on our main plastic service, cause it was going to be a long time. And it was nice to get some practice with the whole team there during the day before, you know, being kind of on my own. And, um, you know, you start to think like, what am I going to do when I'm all by myself? And I remember take my first weekend on call. I had not seen any consults like during the week I was kind of on my own with my senior, of course, you know, with backup help. But I just remember being like, Oh my God, like, this is going to take me a long time. Like I have to sew up like this person's face lax and I need to write my note. And now I'm getting another consult and I need to sew up their face lax and I need to write their note. And I got to call my senior and I got to call my attending. And I was just like, this is going to take me forever. I don't think I'm ever going <laughs> to, I don't think I'm ever going to finish this. And, um, 
And I just remember having this feeling of like, oh my God, if it's, if it, if this is like an easy weekend, like what's a hard weekend going to be like, because everything was just so new and it does take time, you know, and, and that's the big difference between our consult service and, and some of the other consult services. Like when I was on general surgery, um, we just do a lot of manual labor, like you said, you know, so that first weekend on call, I, I got, I don't know, maybe I got a lot of consults, the most I've ever gotten in a call weekend, I think. (laughs) Um, So it turns out that was just like a really hard weekend and I was really, really new. So I had no context, but um, I had like multiple dog bites to the face and, you know, each one of those consults was evaluating the patient, cleaning the wounds, but doing so like once I had gotten a really good exam, because then I had to numb them and wait for them to be numb so that I could clean everything. So I could send good pictures to my senior and to my attending. Then I called my senior. Then I called my attending. Then I had to go get all the stuff that I needed. Then because I was taking a long time, some of that numbing medicine wore off and I had to numb them again. And then you're sterile and you're trying to, uh, you know, sew up this lack and you realize you don't have like the one tool you needed. You know, you, you got your lac tray, you got all the things you thought you needed, but turns out, um, you didn't bring an extra pair of gloves and you also need like a scalpel or something. And so then you got to take your gloves off and go get that thing and then come back and, and do it. And then you have to write your note and then you might have another consult. So that's the part that's, that I felt like was really hard when I, when we started, because you're like, oh, this will probably only take me like 45 minutes. (laughs) And then like three hours later, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm humbled by that, that experience. It took a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. I have a couple of questions kind of coming off of that. Do you think that, you know, being frantic, the the reason I ask this is because I feel this way all the time. And do you think it's a, it's more of a personal trait or do you think it, that it is part of like the experience of what we do? Because I just wonder, like, you know, like, is everyone feeling this level of like, I have no idea what's going on, you know, when I'm, when I'm first learning something. Um, or do people, are are people just calmer about it? You know, I think it's a combination of both. I think like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a super calm and collected person. I get kind of worked up about stuff, especially when I want to do a good job. And I feel like I'm sort of on a time crunch, which, you know, it takes time to unlearn. Like you just have to figure out, uh, you know, a way to calm yourself to do things in a, in a way that is sort of collected and thoughtful, but at the same time efficient. And I think, you know, this goes back to talking about OR efficiency, even, you know, if you're like so rushed, cause you want to get something done fast for the patient. Like if you make a mistake and you have to double your work, then you've ultimately become really inefficient. And I think a lot of consult years learning you know, how to be thoughtful from the beginning and maybe not rush and, and think, you know, and some of it comes with getting the knowledge to know what to think about, but, you know, thinking about what you need before you need it so that when you start, you can just kind of follow those steps and ultimately get things done a lot faster. Um, so I think part of it is, is a personality thing. Part of it is just, it's a super overwhelming experience. I think for everybody that does this, you know, we were high achieving people, all of us before we came to residency, we're not, we're not immune or unfamiliar with high levels of stress. This is just a very different kind of stress. And I think that's what makes us 
you know, that's why we came to residency to learn in that way, but it is the hardest thing that I have ever done. You know, everything I did before this was to be prepared to do this. And it's really, really overwhelming at first. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that part of kind of part of this is humility, right? The humility to know humility that you don't know things, humility that, that, you know, part of the fear is because you, you, you're still figuring this out. And I think that, I don't know, a part of residency is developing that confidence over time. 100%. What is your most intimidating consult? That is a really good question. I think that different consults are really intimidating for different reasons. I think a lot about um, some of the really severe hand injuries that I've seen. Um, Specifically, I had this guy who had a table saw injury to his wrist and it was just a really difficult exam. And it's really hard once you think you see like a vascularized finger to then convince yourself it's not vascularized and you don't want to like alert, you know, the wrong people too much if it's not. Um, but I just remember trying to figure out like, okay, the decision tree of like, do we need to go to the OR right now? Because this is like a disvascular hand, or is this like actually not dysvascular and, and can it wait? And like, you know, obviously someone else was coming right behind me to like do an exam because I asked them to come, but, but like if you're overnight and you need to call your senior in, like, you don't want to like alert them incorrectly. Um, and so I think those have been the really like more intimidating consults of like, does this person need to go to the operating room right now? And if so, am I going to take them level one to the operating room? Because if if I am, like it may be before, you know, all the people I want to be there are there. And so that decision is really like yeah, reliant on my, on my understanding and my thoroughness. And so I think that is, that is very intimidating to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I've been in situations. I think that what you're alluding to is like the really acute situations where you don't know how quickly to bump things up. Right. Yeah. Um, and I actually experienced this yesterday. So I'm on my CT ICU rotation and we had a patient, um, who went into AFib with RVR and their, their, their mean arterial pressures started going down, but they were still in an acceptable range. And then all of a sudden on the monitor, I see sustained VTAC and the, the, the nurse hits the help alarm. A bunch of people show up and it's happening right in front of me. And I'm like starting to develop that kind of, okay, I need to, I need to, I need to get things going right away. Right. We need to get the shock pads. We need, I need to tell people that this is happening. Right. We need to like all mobilize really quickly. And and those experiences are like, I don't know. It's like a surreal experience. It's, it's, it's it's scary. It's like the adrenaline is high. And as you become the person who's the first responder, like when you're on overnight, you know, sometimes people are going to sound alarms that are valid like that one. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people are going to sound alarms and really escalate things quickly that are not Mm -hmm. what they think they are. And so I think a lot of the transition up in the years is also about learning how to manage really stressful and intimidating situations when, you know, you're in the trauma bay and suddenly like you're in charge of the assessment. And I think some of those traumas were, were some of the more intimidating things that I did. You know, they were not plastics consults, but they were 
really vitally important to learning that skill. Um, and you have people who are frantic and they don't know what to do, or they're like, this person needs this. And you're like, hold on all of that aside, that is not the most important thing that's going on right now. And we all need to focus because this is like scattered energy and like the patient is right in front of us. And what needs to get done right now is not, uh, splinting their wrist or like, you know, wrapping up their wound. It's like, they need to get to the CT scanner and get a CT brain right now. Mm-hmm. And it can be really intimidating to be in that role because for so long, we've been like the medical students in the corner watching or the intern calling their senior, asking their senior to come. And then, you know, suddenly that's, that's on you and you don't necessarily always feel ready to be in that position, but um, you do have to sort of assume a new leadership role in addition to all those other things we've been talking about with being the, con- the consult resident. Yeah. I cannot even imagine the, the level of maturity that, you know, like, cause, cause a lot of that comes from just like, I don't know. I almost want to say like that level of confidence in yourself is just something that I, I think about from a medical standpoint that I need to work on. Like, I, I don't think I'm not confident, but at the same time, sounding alarms is it's, it's like a vulnerable experience, right? Because, Definitely. because you're asking for help and you don't know whether you're doing the right thing or not. And here, like in our residency, we have like a good culture where it's like sounding the alarm is the expectation, right? But you still, you know, you want you want to you want to get things right. So, I don't know. Oh, a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of moments I think in the year where you just have to take a really deep breath and like mm-hmm. psych yourself out of being frantic, you know? Because at the end of the day, like an extra thirty seconds to like pull yourself together and make sure that you have like A, B, C, D, E pieces of information is like critical because sometimes you get that piece of information. You're like, Oh, okay. I actually like feel okay about what's going on. I'm still going to call my attending, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I don't need to like, I can frame it for them as like, Hey, you know, Dr. Phillips will always like ask you to call when you call him overnight to say like, everything is fine with the flap. Right. Right. (laughs) So you always want to like, try to think about the person on the receiving end of your call or your alarm and what they want to know. And so it may be that you like absolutely need to call them regardless, but how are you going to lead that conversation? And how are you going to distill that information so that the other person can also find out what's going on and not just get like a frantic phone call being like, Oh, something's wrong. There's nothing that could be more terrifying. What's <laughs> like, what is wrong? Um, and so when you take that moment to just get the information that you need and synthesize it, and come up with like a real idea of what the situation is. It's often not as bad as you thought it was and also helps everybody else you need to alert because they can get a real piece of information from you instead of just a frantic. <laughs> but sometimes that's all they get and that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier being the medical medical student in the corner. I'm wondering what your medical student version of yourself would think of you kind of, I don't know, doing, doing your whole consult thing, being a resident kind of at this point in your life. Yeah. I think about it a lot. I mean, I think part of it is because I was a med student here. Right. So I remember like going to the emergency room for the first time or like seeing consults. I remember doing like a, a revision amp in the ED with 
Jared Blau when I was in med student, when I was on my sub eye. And I was like, this is crazy. This is the craziest thing ever. We're like getting tools from the OR. I like accidentally threw the Ronger in the trash because I had no, I had just like, didn't know what was going on. And then I had to go get it from the trash and then bring it back to the OR because it was not disposable. And now I think like, oh, I'm just like taking call, you know, on the weekends, you know, sewing up people's faces or their fingers or, you know, talking to patients who are like, oh, this is incredible. Like what you're doing for me, what you did for me, what you're teaching me, what you know, or you're teaching the emergency room doctors who like maybe just haven't seen a paranychia before and haven't seen it drained. They're asking to watch you. And I'm sitting there like, you want to watch me drain a paranychia? Like, as in like, I'm the person to teach you how to see this consult. And at the end of the day, like, it's true. I've seen it like so many times. I've done it so many times. And now I'm like the resident seeing those consults on my own. And I think like that is such a crazy transition that two years ago I was a sub I um, seeing consults without a really clear understanding of necessarily what was going on. But, um, you know, like this is the, this is the dream. It sounds super corny to say that, but sometimes you walk out of the hospital and you're like, this is like, I couldn't have even imagined, you know, doing the job that I wanted to do. You know, I really feel like a doctor today. I really feel like a surgeon today. And knowing that you're like on that path is, is super exciting. Yeah. Even though some of those days are really hard. This is going to be hilarious. I remember in like May, I was uh, sewing an arm lock in the ED. It was like a massive arm lock, but again, no underlying structures were injured, but you could see muscle. And I was getting ready. And then the ED provider is like, Hey, we have a bunch of people shadowing. Can they come watch you? And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, uh, sure. Now I have an audience. Great. I'm already sweating. Four people progress to enter this small ED room with me and watch me. This is my first time sewing a person's incision awake, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. This is like one Which of my. Is also, a really <laughs> stressful experience when you first start seeing consults. Yes. Like, oh exactly. shoot! I gotta, I gotta sew your arm and make conversation with you. Great. Yeah. Ridiculous. I know. And it's like it's May, so I'm not. It's not like I haven't sewed before. I've sewed a bunch, but now that they're awake and I have an audience, it was it was ridiculous. I it remember I ended up alternating my stitches. So so I don't know. Midway through through sewing the incision, I was doing simple interrupteds, and I was like, I don't. I feel like this could benefit from some horizontal mattresses. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up alternating simple interrupteds with horizontal mattresses, and then I looked at it, and I was like what the hell just happened? <laughs> You're like, first of all, it's now three hours later than I thought it was. And second of all, what did that just like, okay, sure. Yeah. We're done, I guess. And then the patient's like, yeah. okay, great. And you're like, okay, great. <laughs> and the ED's like, okay, great. Yeah, clinic? exactly. And then the shadowers asked me why I changed my suture type. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> You're like, no. uh, I was like, you well, know, I in my experience, oh, <laughs> uh, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is like par partially just like you know trying to make sure you think about everything in in advance. But then like you know if you're doing something and you're like, wait, like I, I just think maybe this is like really tight on this person's <laughs> arm and they should benefit from like a little bit of a stronger suture mixed in. Like that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Yeah. I mean, there's no right answer. 
but you just have to like make a decision and go for it. And sometimes in the moment you're like, am I qualified to be making this decision? I guess I am. Yeah, I am. And you look back and you're like, that was perfectly reasonable. Yeah. But you're not used to like making the decision and then, and then making it on the fly. And and sometimes you just, you doubt yourself. Exactly. Exactly. But I guess now, you know, over the years, exactly. You start seeing the same things over and over again, you become more comfortable. Um, But I guess, so now you're kind of in your final year of being a junior resident, right? So you're, you're kind of, I mean, the way that I interpret it is that you're kind of starting to master the system a little bit. You're not, you're not like kind of a leader kind of quote unquote yet, but you're a person who understands the system, right? You know how to get things done at this place. You know how to, how to give patient care, you know, how to operate at like a, at a, at a decent enough level. You're like kind of the jack of all trades in a way. So how do you like in your third year now, as a person who's starting to develop all this comfort, what are your goals kind of for your last year as a junior resident? Yeah, it's a big thing to think about. And I think each year, you know, the first year you're just trying to like make it through. Right. But at the same time, you know, I kind of thought about that year as like the year I really wanted to get comfortable taking care of patients and take care of as many patients as I could with as many different problems as I could so that I'd be like set up for a good foundation for the future. Then it's like PGY two year. Okay. I want to see as many consults as I can and get as efficient as I can at seeing and staffing consults. And then, you know, figuring out how to assimilate that, that knowledge, you know, building just like the foundation of your knowledge in plastic surgery by seeing it and doing it and learning about it. And now, you know, you come to the end of that year and you're like, okay, great. I did that. There's still so much more I need to do. Like just those two things, right? Being an intern and seeing consults. And I don't want to like say this in a way that it comes off wrong. Like it, it has nothing to do with the day-to-day tasks I'm going to do as an attending surgeon. Like it does, right? Because I'm going to be staffing consults and taking care of patients. And that's all really helpful. But like the day-to-day job of being an attending surgeon is operating. So now it's like, okay, I have to like take that next step up. And now the job is like keeping all that knowledge, building on it from both a patient and consult and, you know, just book knowledge of anatomy and plastic surgery. And now is like really getting proficient in the operating room. You know, this has been a big transition this month. I'm, I'm out in Duke Raleigh, um, which is our rotation where we operate with Dr. Rezac. And we're sort of in a more apprenticeship model, just sort of the only resident with her. And so it's an opportunity to really be like kind of the lead resident on these cases and, and, and operate with her. And but suddenly the tools are in your hands. And so you have to like really kind of know the way forward and, and lead yourself through the operation and know what comes next. And so this year for me is a lot about, you know, mastering the part in the operating room where you might be the senior resident in a case, you might be the only resident in a case. And so it's on you to remember all of those details pre-op, um, you know, making sure that you've looked at the patient's COVID test the day before. And like, you're staying ahead of like the logistics of that, or, um, you know, in the OR, making sure that the patient is set up correctly, prepped correctly. Uh, you have everything that you need. You know what the operation is going to be. You know how it's going to proceed. You know how to change if something goes wrong, or you know when to call someone, um, someone else, if something goes wrong. And then kind of thinking through the post-op care and, and seeing patients in clinic. I think it's just that, that next leg up of like, okay, I've done 
year one, I've done year two. This is like year three, um, where you really step in, at least in my mind, a little bit more into the operative role, uh, and a little bit more into the senior resident role where, or upper level junior, right. As an intern and two, a lot of times you're operating with other people, which is great because you could get called away at any second, but you're not always like responsible for all those kind of hidden parts of the operation that you don't necessarily think about because they've been taken care of before you got there or after you left. Um, so those are sort of the things I'm thinking about. And then just, just knowledge, just so overwhelming each year, right? Each year yeah. you learn and you learn how much you don't know <laughs> and how much you wish you knew. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's some, that's a really cool perspective. I think of like, yeah, the first couple of years, they're not irrelevant, but they are probably not as relevant as the later years and like what you're going to do for the rest of your life, which makes sense. It makes sense. You probably just can't, you can't kind of get to that stage without developing. It's like the building blocks. Um, yeah, it is absolutely the foundation. Um, but the day-to-day -day job is like even harder and a whole different set of knowledge, which is just crazy sometimes to think about, but then you're like, okay, yeah, um, I do know why this is a six-year program. <laughs> as some of our attendings say seven for some <laughs> yeah shorter for some longer for others <laughs> so let's get real for a second did you have a sophomore slump definitely I think I had two um I had a lot of months off service to start the year and I didn't always enjoy those months I really struggled in the ICU I'm not like someone who really enjoys the ICU kind of pace. And then the patient care I found really emotionally overwhelming sometimes, you know, leading these really high level family meetings and, and just wishing I had better news. Um, so I found that to be sort of emotionally exhausting. And I would say towards November or so, I had not had like a big break and I was on general surgery. I didn't really I had a pretty rough schedule, um, because I was trying to work around some, some really important life events that I wanted to get to, which I was able to do. And that was awesome. But I just was like, I am so burnt out, um, from this rotation, just working so, so much doing these really demanding shifts on the weekends and just not having a break. Um, and I think ultimately like that, when I think back to that time, it was just that I was working so many days so hard in a row and just like really, really tired and had no, no time to recover. I think now when you have weekends off, you're like five days, I can do anything for five days. But <laughs> when you're talking like 12, 13, 18 days in a row, um, it's even if you're leaving early, some of those days, it's just really emotionally and mentally draining and physically demanding. And with the caveat for like whatever GME representative is listening to this, like my hours were, were totally worked out and I wanted, I had wanted this weekend off to go to my friend's wedding. So like voluntarily signed up for all in compliance, but, <laughs> but, um, it was, it was a really tough time. And then I did some time on plastics, which was really rejuvenating and exciting to be in the operating room, doing what I wanted to do and, and with a great team. And so that kind of helped me recover, had the holidays, got to see my family. And then in the late spring, I had had a really long stretch of being the consult resident. And I was on nights for a really long time, which again was really like emotionally 
challenging because I was like alone a lot of the time seeing consults, um, which, you know, I was getting more comfortable with, but, but sometimes you have these consults or you have like situations with teams that become really stressful and frustrating because every team is just trying to get like their part done or is not necessarily thinking about how your team works. And so you're doing a lot of like logistics management, you know, separate from the actual medicine or the surgery. And I hit this point in the year where I was like, I'm so sick of this. <laughs> like, I am so sick of this. I just want to like see my consults and get the work done. And I'm so tired of like all these other teams coming up with these like excuses why X, Y, Z thing can't happen or they can't do this. And, and, you know, you just get tired of the system sometimes. Like sometimes you look and you're like, this doesn't make sense. There's eight teams all contributing to this person's care. And we're all like not on the same page. And sometimes as the consult resident, um, at least in our system, like you kind of end up being that messenger liaison representative of your team and your team's desires or plan. And that's not always like in line with everybody else's. And then you're doing all this back and forth. And I think that was the point in the year where I was like, being the consult resident is so frustrating. I'm so sick of this and I just don't want to do it anymore. And then I recovered, but, um, you know, sometimes you hit those, those points in the year where you're just like, I'm a little tired of this. And I think every job has those things, but yeah. those were, those were my lulls of the year. I'll call them. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, I, I, I can imagine the frustration and I guess like when I think about it as well, I don't know during intern year, it's all of it is still so new that even your, even your kind of down months, they feel different. You know what I mean? It's like, if you feel down, right, because you're exhausted, but maybe you're not kind of, you don't have the chronic fatigue as much, you know? Um, and I can only imagine kind of during like we, our consult year is like a hard year. So I can only imagine like the frustration that you feel kind of towards the end on like a hard rotation and that kind of thing. Yeah. And part of it is because you become more efficient, right? So when you're like just starting out as the consult resident, you don't know how things can happen. You're just trying to get them done in whatever way you can get them done in however long it will take you. And as the year goes on, you're like, no, this is stupid. This should, this doesn't need to be this long drawn out thing. Like we should be able to all get on the same page and take care of this patient in the most efficient way. And you learn how efficient the system could, can, or should be. And the reality is like 75% of the time stuff just gets in the way whether that's scheduling or OR availability or uh, bed availability or, you know, some other logistics, like the hospital is full and so you can't get your bed. So now everyone's hounding you for this, you know, separate order so that the patient, because everyone's just trying to get like their part of things done. And sometimes you're all just facing different obstacles or different demands and you can't all satisfy them. And then you get frustrated because you're like, this doesn't need to be this way, but sometimes it just is. Mm -hmm. And and part of the year is, is also understanding that and trying to foresee things, you know, and I think the big difference between the beginning of second year and the end of second year is, is by the end, I was seeing consults and, and helping to set up cases. And I could see in the future, the barriers that were going to come my way. And so you set yourself up to try to avoid them. You know, you're like, you're putting the stickers on the consent form. You're taping the consent form to the bed. You're scanning the consent form into the computer. And then the patient gets to pack you and you forgot to specify the laterality of like the skin graft you're taking or where you're taking the skin graft from. 
And then suddenly that becomes the thing that like makes the the system pause. And then your patient's waiting for you to update the consent for them to get to the OR. And you're like, God, I tried so hard. (laughs) I tried so hard and I was so close and yet swinging a miss. Um, And those are also character building moments and also experience building moments. And then you become better and you learn how to avoid those things. But um, I think that's, that's another, another hard part of the year or just another challenge of the year that you learn from. How do you recover from kind of these frustrating experiences and just, I don't know, the, the low parts of residency? Well, uh, everybody who knows me knows that I work out a lot. And so part of it is, is that, and just not losing that, you know, taking time out of the hospital to like, you know, physically be active and like get my mind off whatever happened. Or sometimes I'm using that as an opportunity to really think through something that was frustrating or a moment that I was upset about from the day so that I'm not carrying that into the rest of my interactions or, um, the patients that I'm seeing the next day or the job I'm trying to do the next day, you know, really trying to like not let it go without some thought, but like take what I can learn from it and try to let the rest go. Because the more I dwell on things, like the more upset I get, you know, I think almost all of us are like this, but you know, I'm certainly hard on myself, harder on myself than I think most people are on me. So I tend to dwell on things and, and you just can't get everything right. That's the whole point you're learning. That's why there's so many people looking over your shoulder and they're not looking over your shoulder because you're not good enough. It's just that you're learning. There's only so much that you know um, because you still have to learn so much. And so I think that has been really helpful for me. And then, you know, when I do want it to carry over into my interactions, I call um, my co-residents and I <laughs> do a lot of complaining. And sometimes like they are your best advocates and your most humbling kind of voice because sometimes they're like, yeah, screw that. That's such a like low blow from XYZ team. No teams will be specified. Um, that's such a challenging patient. That's such a terrible thing that happened that you had to kind of like recover from. Sometimes they're like, that's tough, but like, I mean, that is what it is. And you're like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like this feels like I'm being personally victimized by my schedule right now, but I'm not. We're all in the same residency. We're all working hard. We're all tired. We're all trying to be better. And sometimes like you interact with other residents or other people in the hospital that are also really tired and burnt out. And, and I think having people to bring you back to reality is also really helpful in those more challenging times. Definitely, definitely. As uh, the great Dr. Scott Hollenbeck often says, residency is hard. Surgery is hard. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes like you literally need someone to just be like, yeah, surgery is hard. <laughs> or like, yeah, surgery is hard. Like nobody picked this. We didn't pick this job because it was supposed to be easy. We didn't pick this job because it was supposed to be straightforward, especially mm-hmm. in plastic surgery. And that's one of the things that's really challenging about being a consult resident. You're seeing so much different stuff all day long, different patients. One day it's a six month old and they're asking you like, or six day old, they're asking you if the, if the baby has a cleft lip, cleft palate, they think they saw, but nobody else can like take a look. 
So then you're looking at that. Then you're looking at like a sacral D cube the next moment. Then you're looking at a young guy on a motorcycle whose leg just got torn off and you're everywhere in between. So it's, it is, it is hard. And so I think we can come back a little bit to a a bird's eye view of residency, having gone through that trip through consult year, through kind of the low points of the year, but now coming out of it more confident, more kind of thinking about becoming an attending, thinking about kind of operating, what are you interested in and how are you navigating that? That's such a great question um, that I've been asked a lot lately. And I think part of it is like one day at the end of second year for me, like you wake up and you're like, oh, I do at some point have to like figure out what the game plan is, you know, because <laughs> a lot of first and second year, you're just trying to get through like this rotation, that rotation, the in-service exam, this project. And then at some points, people start looking at you like you're, you know what you're doing and that you have some like grand plan for your life, which some people sounds like definitely have. I don't know that I have um, a great idea of exactly what I want to do. The great, what do you want to do? Um, <laughs> yet, but I'm definitely interested in like, as much as it's been the bane of my existence, like staying kind of general and, and doing a little bit of everything. I think it's hard right now to see myself focusing on one particular area, but I love reconstruction. I love sort of the high level problems that got me interested in plastic surgery in the first place. And so, um, it's been a real joy to help kind of set those patients up for surgery and see them go through things and get to leave the hospital in some cases when they wouldn't have otherwise. And I think that's part of what consult year also helps you with is, is kind of seeing the end, um, and, and being instrumental in the process of getting patients sort of through their reconstructive journey. So for me, it's, it's general recon, it's microsurgery. And then there's still so much that I haven't seen yet that I'm sure I'll get to see more of this year, but that's sort of the general kind of direction. I think I'm heading. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you navigate what people kind of want you to do or what you think people want you to do versus what you kind of want to do? How, how are you rationalizing that? Yeah, that's a great and really hard question. I think for me, I was super lost in medical school about what I wanted to do because I never felt like there was one thing that particularly clicked or fit. And people would like make suggestions about what to do, but it never really felt like, oh, this is a person that knows me super well. And they're coming out um, being like, yeah, you should do this. I think you'd be a really good fit at this you know, that I just never really felt like any of those suggestions made sense. And so, and I knew that I didn't have a great idea of something that really felt like right until I was talking to my very best friend, who's a plastics resident, um, actually. And she was like, you know, you should think about it. And I was like, really? I don't know. And she was like, yeah, I think you should think about it. And it was sort of like, giving myself the permission to think about, you know, what do I really want? You know, who am I? Who am I? Sounds like such a big question. But I remember doing a lot of reflection of like, who am I? What's important to me? And what do I like to do? And then once you sort of like let yourself have that, it can be a very like freeing and 
exciting thing. And so that's sort of, you know, the roundabout way of how I found my way to plastic surgery in the first place. You know, it wasn't by anybody telling me like, oh, you should do this. If anything, it was like the hardest possible thing I could have picked at the latest possible time. And it couldn't have been worse timing. It, it like, you know, people ask me all the time, what should I do if I'm interested in plastics? I'm like, you shouldn't ask me if you really want like someone who did it right. I mean, I can tell you what I wish I did for sure, but I decided really late and kind of just leaned in and was really happy with that. But I think now is, is again, the same sort of thing. You know, I, I don't have a great feeling of like, this is exactly what I want to do. And part of that's because I haven't seen everything yet. I think part of it is just because I have to think a lot more about, you know, who I am as a surgeon, who I am as a doctor and like where I really see my practice going. And I think that will become easier as I see more. And now that I'm sort of more self-aware than I was as like a second year medical student, but, but some of it is just trying to block out what other people do because they're all going to pick the thing that works best for them. Sometimes it doesn't work that great for them. And then they're just complaining about what they chose. And so you just have to think about, I think what you want and what actually is exciting for you. Because at the end of the day, lifestyle, this, or this job has this perk, like whatever. I think we all have the capacity to have great jobs in this field. And and it's really just about what gets you excited to go to work and what kind of patients you get excited to see. Because if you're going to see like 15 patients in clinic, it's going to be a long day regardless. So you got to pick the one that you want to really want to see and really want to do that gets you excited. Absolutely. Wise words. Oh my God. Self-awareness, something that we all strive for. (laughs) It's just hard, man. Everyone's like got something to contribute and it's really helpful sometimes and like always grateful for people's perspectives, but you do have to distill that down and like what it means for you personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that I generally think of myself as a self-aware person, but I have to say residency is not that conducive to it. You know, you're kind of always, you're always on, you're always working. There's not a lot of pausing and kind of just taking in your surroundings. I feel like there's a lot of action. And sometimes you do just have to sit back and think about like, oh, this was like a really challenging day, or this was a really great day. You know, like yesterday, I was like, I had a really great day. This is awesome. But it's those moments you have to really focus on them because otherwise they're just, they go, they go away and then you're on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I want to work on to be. Well, you are because you're doing the residency round table. Oh my God. Hashtag residency round table, hashtag (laughs) self-awareness. There you go. (laughs) No, this is great. This is great. I think that this conversation leaves me with a lot to think about. I think that I, uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed, really enjoyed our conversation and kind of getting into the weeds of like really the coming of age of like being yeah. a plastic surgery resident, which is, you know, being like, a resident. I think this kind of whole series gets to sort of these topics that aren't really talked about that much. You know, the transition feels small once you're out of it. I think, you know, now I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, intern year to PGY two year. But like, if you really go back and think about it, like that was that was nuts. That first week on call, I think my cortisol levels were like as high as they've ever been. Right. And so you lose sight of it sometimes if you don't hold on to it. And and then you makes it hard for you to relate to those people. Like, like you said, thinking about our interns, like trying to think back to like, what did that feel like? It feels like it was so long ago, but it wasn't. And it was terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. And sometimes you feel like you're the only person going through it, even though everybody above you 
has gone through it. They just can't even possibly remember that they didn't remember how to like put in a discharge order. <laughs> exactly. But they didn't. They did not. They did not. Exactly. And I hope this series catalogs kind of a little bit of our feelings because I think that talking about feelings is important. But <laughs> anyway, I think that this is a great conclusion to our conversation. Thank you so much, Tori. And for our listeners, look out for the next episode, which will be with one of our more senior residents. Thanks so much for having me. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com. <laughs>